3: 2022, praise be to God. Uh, We're going to be talking about the mystery of Our Lady of Good Help. Theone Bell is going to be back on our program. You might remember we had her on, I don't know, several months ago. Uh, She is the author of The Woman in the Trees, published by TAN. And uh, she got to spend some time up there in Wisconsin, in Champion, Wisconsin, about eight hours piling through the archives Interviewing uh, descendants of survivors, and we're going to be catching up with her on Our Lady of Good Help at 35 past the hour. Hey, it's not looking good for Father James Jackson. There is a second child pornography investigation out against him. We're going to catch up with that story, give you the latest information at 15 past the hour. Plus, uh, I spent some more time this weekend going through Our Lady of Revelation again. And I think there's a link there, and I want to share that with you, so stick around for that. Hey, the second hour of our show today is not going to be normal. In fact, we're going to be playing a Holy Mass from EWTN the second hour today. So if you're used to tuning in for our second radio hour, you can always hang out with us for the after show if you wish which is all linked on our website. Go to com forward slash CDT to find all the live video stream links and hang out with us next hour if you'd like. The Ukrainian forces bombed a bridge to Crimea over the weekend, which... <laughs> Which kicked off some retaliations. Uh, it's not good there. There's uh, missile attacks in multiple cities in Ukraine to include Kyiv or Kiev or however you wish to say it. Civilians dead on both sides is the bottom line there. So that's not a good thing. Hey, uh, there was a lot of pushback against PayPal. They were threatening to charge $2,500 per user that they deemed was intolerant against homosexuals and gender confused people. Well, they're backing off of that, praise be to God. Uh, Twitter deleted over the weekend the Florida Surgeon General's tweet about uh, Florida saying it's no longer recommending the COVID shot for for men, especially in a certain age group. Twitter thought, yeah, you're not allowed to say that. So they just deleted it. And the FBI is arresting even more pro-lifers this time. Uh, Mr. Paul Vaughn was arrested in front of his wife and kids in Tennessee, and there was video going around the internet for that, so kind of crazy stories to catch up on as well. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Did you get any of your honeydew lists done? I did get some you done. You did? Yeah, Praise be, God. nice. Guy. That's yeah. awesome. If, yeah. You feel accomplished when you get stuff like that done. Ed,
5: you do, yeah. don't you? Yeah. I, I I took care of some of my honeydew lists as did well you? this
3: weekend. Yeah. Wow. So... Woo.
5: Pretty productive Pat start of the, the week, t- huh? We, we are good husbands. Well, okay. Let's not
3: ask our wives, but L- let's look, just, we are good husbands. Praise look, be to God. We're not tooting our own horns here, but. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Speaking of excellent husbandry, Adrian Fonseca is here on the Ones
4: and twos. Good morning, dear Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Despite In, uh, of it all, despite of it all, despite all the bad news and the mm-hmm. and all the uh, bloodshed and sadness and yeah. and dark clouds, mm-hmm. there is a sunbeam. Shining right through. <laughs> sh- mm-hmm. That also mm-hmm. is a video that goes around the internet, by the way. A sunbeam. sunbeams
3: that shine mm-hmm. through windows onto altars and things like that. Uh, it was a uh, fresh one I saw just, I think it was like a Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like beautiful sunlight through the stained glass. I
4: honestly, I don't get why people are saying, I get it. Uh, it's, it's inspiring. It's beautiful. Sunsets, sunrises, God's creation. Yes, I get mm-hmm. it. Also, mm-hmm. I don't care that much. <laughs> You're so. Yeah. You, do you,
3: you have no soul, sir? You have no soul. I've been told that once or twice. Yeah, I'm sure you have. Uh, praise be to God. Yeah, I also learned the hard way over the weekend that although I could uh, camp and hunt for days on end, you know, and not tire of it, it's, uh, I love it so much. I can't apparently go shopping with my spouse for more than a half hour without just being totally exhausted by the experience. <laughs> like, what is with that? I have no idea. Huh. Totally wiped out after uh, after a few hours of shopping on Saturday. All right, we have a lot to get into today. Do share us with a friend. We would be very, very grateful to you. But let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in Catholic
5: Drive Time. Today is Monday, October 10th. Blink, and it's going to be Thanksgiving. Now here are your headlines this morning. This one's from Catholic Vote. And they say YouTube links Catholic Vote pro-life video to pro-abortion Biden administration pages. Catholic Vote staff on Friday found a new context box attached to a YouTube video that they recently uploaded featuring a pro-life candidate, Carrie Lake, who is running for governor in Arizona. The YouTube box linked to a pro-abortion talking points hosted on the official government pages of Biden administration. While advocacy groups have a right to put their messages out there, YouTube is putting their own abortion advocacy message right on the videos of Catholic Vote, a pro-life advocacy group, Joshua Mercer said, who's been a guest of our show many times, noting that the pro-abortion context box is placed above Catholic Vote's own caption written to accompany the video. The Daily Wire reports Vanderbilt Pediatric Gender Clinic pausing transgender surgeries on minors. The Vanderbilt Pediatric Gender Clinic has agreed to pause all gender transition surgeries on minors, according to a letter from the clinic to a Tennessee lawmaker. Vanderbilt also told lawmakers that it would protect conscientious objectors who work at the facility and don't want to take part in the controversial treatments. The news was celebrated by Tennessee Republicans who probed the clinic after The Daily Wire host Matt Walsh drew attention to the clinic performing double mastectomies on minors. The Epic Times reports new rule requires firearms dealers to disclose buyer information to government. Federally licensed firearms dealers, otherwise known as FFLs, will now be required to provide the FBI with the personal addresses of individuals who attempt to make a purchase but are denied or have a delayed transaction. By the way, it's pretty easy to get denied. If you make a mistake uh, in spelling or whatever, you get denied. The FBI will also provide local law enforcement with details of failed transactions, which include delayed transactions as well as personal information of rejected individuals. And Reuters reports U.S. tries to hobble China chip industry with new export rules. Senior government officials said many of the measures were aimed at preventing foreign firms from selling advanced chips to China or supplying Chinese firms with tools to make their own advanced chips. They conceded, however, that they had not secured any promises that allied nations would implement similar measures, saying, Quote, we recognize that unilateral controls we're putting into place will lose effectiveness over time if other countries don't join us, unquote, one official said, continuing. And we risk harming U.S. technology leadership if foreign competitors are not subject to similar controls. And those were headline news this morning. God
4: love you. The saint of the day is St. Louis Bertrand. Born at Valencia in Spain on the 1st of January, 1526, his parents were Juan Bertrand and Juana Angela Exarc. Through his father, he was related to the illustrious Saint Vincent Ferrer. The boyhood of the saint was unattended by any of the prodigies that frequently forecast heroic sanctity. At an early age, he conceived the idea of becoming a friar preacher, and despite the efforts of his father to dissuade him, he was clothed with the Dominican habit in the convent of St. Dominic in Valencia on the 26th of August, 1544. While he could lay no claim to the great intellectual gifts and ripe scholarship that have distinguished so many of the saints of the Dominican order, he applied himself assiduously to study and stored his mind with the sacred truths expounded in the pages of the Summa. He was appointed to the most responsible office of master of novices in the convent at Valencia, the duties of which he discharged at different intervals for an aggregate of 30 years. The plague that disseminated the inhabitants of Valencia and the vicinity in 1557 afforded the saint an excellent opportunity for the exercise of his charity and zeal. Tirelessly, he ministered to the spiritual and physical needs of the afflicted. Possessed of the necessary permission, he sailed for America in 1562 and landed in Cartagena, where he immediately entered upon the career of a missionary. The work thus begun was certainly fruitful to an extraordinary degree and bore unmistakably the stamp of divine approbation. To facilitate the work of converting the natives to God, the apostle was miraculously endowed with the gift of tongues. From Caragarena, the scene of his first labors, St. Louis was sent to Panama, where in a comparatively short time, he converted some 6,000 Indians. Traveling to tribe after tribe, he converted tens of thousands of natives to the true faith. A deadly draught was administered to him by one of the native priests, and through divine interposition, the virulent poison failed to accomplish its purpose. Thus fulfilling the words of St. Mark, if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. After an apostolate, the marvelous and enduring fruits of which have richly married for him the title of Apostle of South America, he returned under obedience to his native Spain, which he had left just seven years before. During the 11 remaining years of his life, many offices of honor and responsibility were imposed upon him. He died october 9, fifteen eighty one of natural causes at Valencia, Spain, was beatified by Pope Paul V in july sixteenth, sixteen oh eight, and canonized by Pope Clement X on april twelfth, sixteen seventy one. Saint Louis Bertrand, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes
3: to us from Luke chapter eleven verses twenty nine through thirty two. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the son of man be to this generation. The Gospel of the Lord. (laughs) Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Saint Basil the Great, writing in the 4th century, said, A sign is a thing brought openly to view, containing in itself the manifestation of something hidden, as the sign of Jonah represented the descent to hell, the ascension of Christ, and his resurrection from the dead. He gives them a sign not from heaven, because they were unworthy to see it, but from the lowest depths of hell, a sign, namely, of his incarnation, not of his divinity, of his passion, not of his glorification. Close quote, St. Basil the Great. Pray for us. The Ignatius Catholic Commentary said today, both Jonah and Solomon ministered to the Gentiles, the former to the Assyrians in Nineveh, and the latter to the, the, to the queen of Sheba, rather. They together prefigure Jesus, who sends the gospel out to all nations. Close quote, Ignatius' commentary. Hadock, quoting uh, quoting the Venerable bead today, said, He gave them a sign, not from heaven, for they were unworthy to behold it, but from the deep, a sign of his incarnation, not of his divinity, of his passion, not of his glory. The Navarre Bible Commentary said, Christ's life and preaching are a call to conversion, but some of those who hear his preaching are reluctant to take it to heart and therefore fail to understand it. And I think that, to me, is the crux of this passage right there. You could be given the truth, and yet you still reject it. Where does that leave you? I think we know the answer. St. Ambrose said, quote, Now in a mystery... The church consists of two things, either ignorance of sin, which has reference mainly to the Queen of the South, or ceasing to sin, which relates indeed to the repentant Ninevites. For repentance blots out the offense, wisdom guards against it. Close quote, St. Ambrose, pray for us. You know, I'm preparing to give three or actually four talks in New Hampshire here in about another week or so. A choice must be made by every single one of us because as the messages of Our Lady has told us to include Our Lady of Good Help, convert and repent while you can or else her son, her divine child, is obligated to punish us. We must make a choice and when the truth is presented to us, we must not reject it. We'll be right back. What's concerning us is coming up next. Atheists assert the only real form of
0: knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge in which case it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com
6: hi this is Carrie Beatley come participate in the next national men's March to abolish abortion and rally for personhood
7: on Saturday October 15th in Boston men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11:30 for the march and everyone else show up at the 2 p.m rally outside of the State House where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion King pushed the lie of abortion on the American people for more information go to the
3: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past this hour, Theoni Bell is going to be our guest. She wrote a book published with Tan called The Woman in the Trees about Our Lady of Good Help. It was a novel set in the historical time period of the apparitions to Sister Adele Breeze in 1859 and ultimately the Great Fire of Wisconsin In 1871, the largest uh, forest fire in the history of our country so far. Over 2,000 people lost their lives. At one point, some odd million acres were burned down. So it was a big deal, and a miracle happened on October the 9th in 1871. We'll kind of conversate about that. Anthony's trip to Wisconsin to dive into the archives, coming up at 35 past the hour, so join us if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And we've uh, covered this story now on a couple of occasions going back over a year now. Father James Jackson of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter uh, was arrested uh, a year ago. I think it was October. I think it was October of 2021. He was arrested on child pornography possession charges in Rhode Island. He was released and he ended up going to Kansas uh, to live with a relative. And there, as you know, the last time we updated the story, he was arrested again and sent back to to Rhode Island, where he's now in in jail. At the time that we reported the last time we were on to talk about this, we didn't know the specifics of what he was being arrested for again. Well, we know that now. Before I share that with you, let me just give you an update, because there's another piece of this puzzle uh, uh, recently, in fact. And this is out of The Pillar, thepillarcatholic.com. There's two articles there. I'm going to read a a piece of them to you. And it says, Father James Jackson, a member of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, has petitioned a federal court to throw out evidence of child pornography taken from a seized hard drive on the grounds that the hard drive's seizure violated the Fourth Amendment. In a motion filed October the 5th in a U.S. District Court in Rhode Island, Jackson's attorney argued that the warrant used to seize a laptop and hard drive in his rectory last year failed to meet the Fourth Amendment's requirement of particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Simply put, the warrant authorized a constitutionally impermissible general search for which suppression is now required. Well, it kind of sounds like the search that they did on mar lago Hmm, Interesting. Uh, Anyway, the article goes on to say the priest's attorney said people should have done more work to identify a specific suspect before acting on electric evidence of child pornography trafficking, especially because several people lived and worked on the Rhode Island church property where Jackson was arrested last October. The case is different than the typical case where an identified person's IP address for his residence is involved, Jackson's attorney argued. It presents the need for regulation of searches that do not particularly describe the location to be searched or the thing to be seized when dealing with multiple buildings, residents and employees and multiple potential devices containing massive amounts of digital information. Jackson was arrested October the 30th, 2021, after state police identified a device sharing child pornography with an IP address assigned to St. Mary's Catholic Parish in Providence, Rhode Island, where Jackson served. Certainly, something that should have never, ever, 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 ever happened, right? Well, I think we all agree to that. Law enforcement officers executed a search warrant and found an external hard drive containing child pornography, which they say belonged to Jackson. The priest uh, has been charged with possessing and distributing child pornography, but his lawyer now argues the state search leading to that charge was unconstitutional. So that's a sort of a technicality update to his case in Rhode Island. Uh, We don't yet know whether or not this court will agree with his attorney's filing and throw that out. Probably not. But nonetheless, they are trying that. But let's go to this other article related to Father Jackson. The headline on this one, also over at thepillarcatholic.com, says the FSSP priest is target in second child porn investigation. Now, this is this is the update from the Kansas side. It says newly released federal probation records revealed that Father James Jackson, F.S.S.P., was investigated for possessing child pornography this summer while he was awaiting trial on earlier federal child porn charges for which he was arrested last October. The priest could soon be charged with child porn crimes for a second time, this time in the state of Kansas, the federal records show. On July 11th, 2022, the U.S. Probation Office in the District of Rhode Island was contacted by Detective Christopher Moore of the Overland Park, Kansas Police Department, explained a federal memo that was released to the public on October the 5th. So this was the same day his attorney filed that motion in Rhode Island. On that same day, this memo, this federal memo came out. It says, quote, Detective Moore advised this officer that a search warrant was issued for Mr. Jackson's residence in Leewood, Kansas, to repose, to response, rather, to a child pornography investigation in which Mr. Jackson was the primary target. The child pornography investigation conducted by Kansas police identified Internet activity linked to Mr. Jackson from May 22 from May 2022 to June 2022, in which he allegedly engaged in accessing child pornography. Jackson was at the time living in Kansas with relatives under supervised release after he was arrested in Rhode Island on child porn possession and distributed distribution charges last October. The priest has insisted he was innocent of the original charges and charged in court this week at the October 2021 search leading to his initial arrest was unconstitutional. Kansas police have not yet charged Jackson with the child pornography possession. The federal memo said police are conducting a forensic examination of a hard drive and tablet it sees from the priest in July. But the federal memo added that Jackson appeared to have tried to have concealed or hidden the devices at the time of the search, adding that the priest was not cooperative with officers throughout the search process. There's more to the article. I encourage you to check it out at thepillarcatholic.com. That's pillarcatholic.com. Now, here's the takeaway from all this. It's not looking good for Father James Jackson. As, as I said the very first time I reported this case, as I repeated the last time I uh, reported this case, and as I will now say again, we're, we're following up, if he is guilty, then I want justice served. He should go to prison because it's a, it, it's a heinous thing. And we want to shine light into the darkness and uh, let the light of Christ vanquish the darkness. If he is innocent, I would like his reputation to be restored to him. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's not looking good for Father Jackson. It is not looking good for Father Jackson. You know, he writes so well. He has spoken so well over the years that so many people have a strong affinity to him. I do not want him to be guilty of this, but it is not looking good. Pray for him. Pray for him. It reminded me this weekend as I was preparing uh, to give these pre- uh, presentations, I give a, a sort of a, a series of talks called The Radical Choice. I've given them at parishes around the country. I'm getting ready to deliver them in New Hampshire in just over a week. And uh, there is this sense uh, around the, the church today where we have allowed the world to creep into our lives. And it happens on every level. And I I like to tell the stories of sinners and saints when I give these talks. And one of these sinners and saints that I like to tell is the story of of Bruno Cornucolia and how his life was radically altered by the intercession of his wife, whom he abused, whom he beat repeatedly, and Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth. And how all of these dots are connected. Now, in particular, you probably haven't heard much about Our Lady of Revelation. She appeared to Bruno in 1947, is April 1947, in a cave outside Tre Fontane, outside of Rome, where he was plotting to not only kill the Pope, but he was also preparing to preach against the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, to rail against the Catholic Church. And uh, the, this dogma had not yet been proclaimed, and the Pope was weighing this heavy on his heart. And uh, here he was getting ready to preach against it when Our Lady appears to him in this cave, converting him back into the sheepfold. It's a powerful story. If you haven't checked it out, you should. But it's the connection back to Fatima that I think is the most intriguing. Because the links between Our Lady Revelation, Fatima, are really, really intriguing. The miracle of the sun that happened multiple times, one personally to Pius XII himself as a confirmation of this, but also to to the lay faithful who attend Mass and piety at the shrine, at the grotto where Our Lady of Revelation appeared there in the cave outside Tre Fontane. But I want to read to you a piece of the revelation that Our Lady uh, gave to Bruno, only a little piece, not a big one, only a little piece. It's quite remarkable. She says to Bruno, this is a, This is 1947, she says, Even now, for a time, God will continue to send his grace. He has done much for everyone to bring lost humanity to redemption. They must go through every kind of sorrow, crosses, slavery, and humiliation. Where is charity? Where or what are the fruits of love? People of every age are hardest callous, especially the shepherds of the flock who do not fulfill their duty especially the shepherds of the flock who do not fulfill their duty. Too much of the world has entered their souls, and this is a cause of scandals which lead the flock away from, uh, from the way, the truth, and the life. Return to the source of evangelical unity, which is charity far from the thinking of this world. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. How many miracles? How many apparitions? There is nothing that brings you back. You are always far from the essence of life that is the truth of the Father's love. Hard times are being prepared for you. Before Russia converts and abandons atheism... A terribly grave persecution persecution will be unleashed. Pray it can be stopped. The time is now approaching and the end of all things in the world. The word of him who made all things is true. Prepare your hearts to approach the Eucharist, the living sacrament amongst you with great fervor. One day it will be desecrated and there will be disbelief about the real presence of my son. Draw close to the heart of my son, Jesus. Consecrate yourselves to the heart of a mother that mystically bleeds continually for you. Glorify God who is amongst you and flee from the things of the world. Vain shows, obscene books, and all types of charms, falsehoods, and other evils like vanity and spiritism. These are the things that the evil devils use to persecute God's creatures, evil powers that work in your hearts. Through a divine promise, Satan is freed for a period of time, and he will light the fires of protest among men for the sanctification of the saints. Then this goes on. This goes on to talk about how the world, the flesh, and the devil, and a persecution will result because of it. Prepare yourselves well. You should read about Our Lady of Revelation. The Three Fountains, the Apocalyptic Prophecies of the Virgin of Revelation is the book I have. And it's, uh, it's very good. But here's the bottom line. It reminds us of the third secret to Fatima. As the corruption grows within the body of Christ, especially amongst the clergy, the world is going to get more and more... ...not
5: be a reality. Well, G.K. Chesterton says, It is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family. Who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
6: Hi, this is Citra Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to TheMensMarch.com and please spread the word.
5: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Happy Columbus Day, by the way. And now, more headlines. CNA reports, the Holy Rosary. Oops. Here we go. Computer just did something funny there. CNA reports, the Holy Rosary, a spiritual weapon that lights hearts on fire. Now, did you know October is the month of the Holy Rosary and that all Catholics are called to unite to ask for the intercession of our mother and to meditate on the mysteries of the life and teachings of Jesus through her prayer? The recitation of the Holy Rosary is one of the most deeply rooted devotions among the Christian people. It originated around the 9th century as a syllification of the Psalter and spread rapidly among the laity as a simple prayer. The rosary is a crown of roses that we give to our mother. It is a powerful weapon against the wiles of evil. It is so powerful that it disarms the devil and changes lukewarm hearts into hearts on fire and in love with Jesus, our Lord. When we pray it with devotion, we are configured to the Lord. Military.com reports National Guard struggles as troops leave at faster pace. Soldiers are leaving the Army National Guard at a faster rate than they are enlisting, fueling concerns in the coming years that uh, units around the country may not meet military requirements for overseas and other deployments. For individual states which rely on Guard members for a wide range of missions, it means some are falling short of their troop totals this year, while others fare better. But the losses follow as many are facing an active hurricane season, fires in the West, and continued demand for units overseas, including combat tours in Syria and training missions in Europe for nations worried about threats from Russia. According to officials, the number of soldiers retiring or leaving the Guard each month in the past year has exceeded those coming in, for a total annual loss of about 7,500 service members. And Ground News reports U.S. town employee quietly lowered fluoride in water for years. Fluoride in water decreases cavities or tooth decay by about 25 percent, but carries other health risks. 73 percent of U.S. populations have served or have been served water systems with adequate fluoride to protect teeth. Critics argue that the health effects of fluoride aren't really fully known and that its addition to municipal water can amount to an unwanted medication. And those were our headline news this morning. God love you.
3: Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Hey, just a reminder, our second hour today is going to be not normal. We're going to be playing or airing a live mass from EWTN for the full hour next hour. So instead, the CDT team is going to do an after show on the live video feed. If you'd like to join us there, you're certainly welcome to specifically. Uh, That's coming up in in the live video feed in the second hour. So if you want to jump on the live video feed, go to our website, grnonline.com.com forward slash cdt that's coming up in the next hour we'll be back to our normal programming tuesday so there you go joining us uh by telephone is our good friend theoni bell she is the author of a book called the woman in the trees published by tan i think she's done some follow-up work which is probably also going to be published by tan coming up in the uh in the foreseeable future but she she's recently gone to Uh, Wisconsin and dived into the historical records there, walked the grounds and everything else, and she joined us now by phone. Good morning to you, Theone Bell. Hi, Joe and Rudy. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Thanks for being on with us. Now, today it's October the 10th. Yesterday, October the 9th, marked the anniversary of both the uh, apparitions and of the fire. Why don't you catch us up with the background?
7: Yeah, so we have America's first approved Marian apparition. It was approved in 2010, and the apparitions actually happened in 1859 to a Belgian farm worker named Adele Bryce. And in Our Lady's message in that apparition, she asked Adele to pray for the conversion of sinners. She gave Adele the mission of catechizing all the children in the Wisconsin wilderness, and then she also warned of a chastisement if the people did not uh, repent and do penance. Um, and then in 1871, there was a huge fire, the most devastating fire in American history, and it came to the Belgian area around the Green Bay Peninsula. <laughs> and um, during that fire, the people who had heard Adele's message and had nowhere else to go in their care, they fled to the chapel, and with gel, they processed with the rosary and the Statue of Mary all through the night. And then in the morning, they were spared um, from that fire by a huge downpour. And then there are reports that that shrine, or it was a chapel at the time, the chapel was the only thing left standing in the area. Everything else had been totally destroyed. So this was a miracle that confirmed uh, that the apparitions had taken place. And then pilgrims obviously started to go to the area, believing that it was sacred ground, and miracles have happened there ever since.
3: It's a pretty remarkable story on a number of levels, and uh, I want, uh, there's, there's one thing I want to follow up here in just a minute, but before I, before I ask you about that, let me just ask you, you spent some time there this past August going through some of the archives. What did you find that was interesting to you?
7: Oh, there's so much there. I haven't even started to to uh, <laughs> break the surface on it. But one thing I found really interesting is that there's a nun um, in the 50s, and she was trying to write a history of the shrine. And so there's a lot of correspondence that she had with people of uh, from Europe, from America, um, kind of seeking out this story of Adele and anyone's experiences at the shrine and um, being taught by Adele. So there were a lot of letters there where people had talked about their time um, near the seer of the apparition. And um, there were also letters from bishops communicating with Adele. Um, my favorite part were the letters of Adele's best friend. Her name was Sister Pauline LaPlante, and she took over the shrine after Adele passed away. But what they have preserved are her accounts of the life of Adele and her accounts of the apparition. Um, I was able to find four of them, and there are only slight differences between all of them. But to actually have those in my hand was a pretty special thing for me. Um, so there there were also uh photos of, you know, at, as far back as you can go, there were photos of the early chapels on the spot, and there were photos of Adele and the Third Order Franciscans who lived with her. Um, but uh, I also was really interested in Adele's relationship with the clergy at the time, because um sometimes visionaries and saints you know they go through a lot of persecution from clergy mm-hmm. um and that's kind of just the church has to be very safe and very sure about what it allows itself to support and promote so there are ha- there's a handwritten letter in there this is my favorite letter that Adele had um penned with the other third order sisters and it's basically asking the bishop why he had sent someone who doesn't like them to investigate them and why he hadn't sent a pastor who uh, could have given them better information. But it's definitely a humble letter, and she pleads with him to to tell them what they've done wrong. Wow! Um, but it's just a very interesting uh, balance there.
3: Kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Padre Pio. Years ago, Ignatius Press published the Vatican's initial investigation, sending a Monsignor to his monastery under the cover of darkness and secrecy to uh, to probe and ask questions of everybody. Uh, kind of reminded me of that, but to Padre Pio he was submissive to the process, nonetheless. Uh, but what's fascinating mm-hmm. about, I think, in uh, in the Our Lady of Good Helps case is the simplicity and sort of like the childlike nature of of those apparitions and uh, of of Adele herself. I mean, can you give us any more information on Adele specifically? What kind of, uh, what kind of a woman was she? What kind of a sister is she?
7: Uh, the way that she was described in the letters that I read is just very charming, always smiling, very welcoming. If you've ever had that person in your life where you just love being around them because they just kind of have a calm presence, it sounds like she was a lot like that. Um, when, when she grew up in Belgium, she had already had, um, an education in the church by the Ursuline sisters there. Um, and she had a great devotion to Our Lady. She had promised with her friends at her first communion that they would be missionaries for Our Lady to educate, uh, poor children. And she was actually very torn about moving to America because she wanted to keep that promise to Our Lady Um, But in the end, she listened to the advice of her priest, and she was obedient to her parents and came over. She was 24 when she came over, so um, times are a little different now, but I, I feel like she probably still had the choice to stay behind if she wanted to.
3: Well, it's funny you say that she's uh, always cheerful, joyful, smiling, because the pictures of her are not looking cheerful. <laughs> they do no. not, She is not smiling. She looks like <laughs> Sister Ruler. I mean, I mean, just like, yikes. Uh, now, she was blind my, in her right eye, if, if I'm not mistaken.
7: Yeah, we, we watched um, an EWTN special for what I, I call it, the feast day. It's only the anniversary as of now. But um, my daughter in the middle of it says, Mom, what's wrong with her face? <laughs> she looks and, mean. And that's she does, you know. It, and I really wish, you know, people just didn't smile in those days when they took pictures.
3: That's okay. Um, there you go. That's what we're gonna go with <laughs> poor Adele. Yeah. Poor Adele. I'm glad the uh, reputation of her, you know, is better than her her photos of her anyway. But yeah. don't go anywhere. Hold that thought. Theoni Bell is our guest. We're talking about Our Lady of Good Help. Uh, we have more of that coming up right after this break. You can find more information about Our Lady of Good Help on our website at TheoneBell.com. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
8: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend, and certainly how often they should go. So, here's your three best friendships tools for catholic evangelism natural law says human society cannot be well ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions the bible secondly the bible which says in multiple places such as hebrews 13 17 obey them that have the rule over you and thirdly the catholic church says when we are properly ordered we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism so obligations much obliged
4: Men, it's time. Participate in the next national men's march to abolish abortion and rally for personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 1130 a.m. to 330 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be
3: to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So I'm going to be on with you. Praise be to God. Sean, you're killing me here, man. Good. Uh, so I encourage you to check that out. Again, that's championshrine.com. And again, Theoni Bell's website is T H E O N I Bell.com, And there's some great ideas there how you and your kids can celebrate or mark the, the day uh, the anniversary, October the 9th, both of the visions and of the big fire, which Chicago burned on the same day in 1871. So there was a lot of action going down uh, that day. Pretty, pretty remarkable. And what's very interesting uh, about the fire itself is if you go to the champion website, our store forward slash our story, you see a map where they show you the entire 1.4 million acres, or whatever it was and then they show you the areas that are like the most burnt, like the most heavily affected, where the death toll was the highest. And right in that is the area where the shrine was, or where the shrine is today, where the church, the chapel was that these people fled to for uh, refuge and survived this incredible, incredible, devastating fire. That, to me, is very remarkable. This was in the, the, the heart of it all. Damn. Yes,
7: yes, it was. Sorry. It was in the heart of it all. Um, and so I've, I've, uh, really wanted to find stories of people who have survived the fire, um, because you don't get a lot of details. Uh, Sister Dominica, who, who did the history in the 50s, um, she describes it, and that's kind of the story you hear everywhere is the, is the one that she wrote. Um, so I've really tried to reach out to people in the area, and recently was able to connect with someone who claimed that her great grandfather and her great great grandfather survived this fire. Um, so what I what I discovered was they in fact did live a mile and a half away from the shrine. She told me everything was burning all around them, and that's that's where everyone was going to the shrine. So they followed them, and um, When I looked up her great-great-grandfather, I found his immigration record was 1855. That's the same year that Adele Bryce came to America. So I was hoping maybe they were on the same ship, but I wasn't able to find the arrival, just the departure. So I wasn't able to to link those two that closely. But I think it's safe to say this could be someone who did survive the fire um, Mm. because they lived very close to To the chapel at the time.
3: Can we just emphasize the miraculous nature of how they were saved? Uh, they, were, yes. they, they all went into the chapel, and the fire was like on the doorstep practically. Can you tell us about that?
7: Yeah, so there's a fence around the chapel grounds, and it said that the fire licked the backside of the fences, that they were charred. And people were praying the rosary, like I said, and the smoke was blowing across the chapel grounds and every time they would hit them and they would begin to inhale it, they would have to turn in a different direction. I mean, these, you can imagine there was wailing and there was terror. Um, but yes, that it's called an the Emerald Isle in a Sea of Ashes is how wow. it was recorded at the time. Um, and there's also uh, a priest, a famous priest in that area who He wrote his own account of surviving the fire and how terrible it was. Um, And at the end of that account, he has a little message telling people to go visit the shrine. He wrote that in 1871 and uh, telling people this is a a place of miracles and you should go see it.
3: Wow. I'm looking at the website right now, and uh, it's uh, it's very lovely. And uh, what an opportunity to make a pilgrimage. And I guess people are doing that now. They're... They're actually, I mean, I saw some report over the weekend that there's uh, some pilgrims that walk a 100 miles or more to come to this location.
7: Yes, and that's been going on uh, ever since the fire. Uh, I've interviewed people who live in the area, and they would sit out on their porches and watch people walk by on the major celebration days at the shrine. Uh, But most recently, there's a father who... He's founded something called the Wisconsin Way, and this is set up to be like the, uh, the Camino Way in mm-hmm. Spain. It's 140 miles long, and it, it hits a lot of holy hot spots in Wisconsin, and it starts at the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. And, uh, we were able to stay at Father's, uh, bunkhouse, which he built with his inheritance for pilgrims to stay, and it was just it was a beautiful time for us, a very beautiful place to stay. And Father Andrew is a very fun and very faithful holy priest.
4: You know, Theoni, it's, uh, it's interesting. This is uh, Adrian. We, my parents and my little sister actually did the Walk to Mary pilgrimage uh, many mm-hmm. years ago. And they started at the St. Joseph, the National Shrine of St. Joseph, and they walked to the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. And that was, uh, a 21 mile walk. And, uh, I was like, Oh my goodness. And I was like, this is a uh, hard, so hard. But, you know, it's very, we, Joe and I, and uh, we talk about this sometimes about the fact that, you know, we lack the sense of pilgrimage, the lack of public square rosary rallies, lack of these things that exist in Europe. And this is one that is right here in our, in our home. That's not too far from us. Of course, the United States is very big, so it's a little far for some. But we had, can you talk a little bit about that aspect of it?
7: I think Catholics have been pushed too far, and I think they're ready to get out there more publicly. But this is uh, this is one way that you can do that. That is every year since 2013. Mm-hmm. And you'll see families and children going on it. It's actually uh, a very beautiful hike in the spring. The flowers are blooming, and you're walking through very pretty countryside. Um, there's also a movement to make those walks of Mary appear in other states around the country. Um, so I've been talking to some people who have those up. But, yeah, it is traditionally uh, something that the Europeans did do, and that's why in Adele's story, You'll, you'll hear that she brought those traditions with her from Belgium. And so the Feast of the Assumption is a huge procession day at the shrine. Um, to this day, they they still do that as part of their celebration. And uh, it's one of the things that I suggest to parents on my website, if they want to celebrate this, to do a rosary procession, you know, around their own home. And I think that's just one way that we can... Uh, teach our children a little more of our Catholic culture that I think we've lost in America. Mm.
3: You know, I want to talk about the apparition for a moment here and uh, how Our Lady told Sister Brees, she says, quote, I am the Queen of Heaven who prays for the conversion of sinners, and I wish you to do the same. You received Holy Communion this morning, and that is well, but you must do more, make a general confession and offer communion for the conversion of sinners. If they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. Close quote. Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth. And I find that fascinating on a number of levels. Number one, Adele had to walk 10 miles to go to Mass and did so every single Sunday at a minimum. Uh, No matter what, she made that trek. And I guess in the wintertime, Wisconsin can get pretty cold. I mean, being on the Canadian border up there. So uh, the difficulties didn't stop her. She really, she really was that uh, walked uphill both ways in the snow. Three, you know, that, that was real. But uh, nonetheless, I I found it interesting because the sort of the core of the message here with Our Lady is uh, for this calling for a sister to go and teach children to catechize children, which she went and did. She went, you know, house to house until they built a school where they could gather up and she taught and catechized them. Praise be to God. But there's this line that I think should... Uh, make us uh, take a deep breath and and pay attention here. If they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. This line to me links the dots between other Marian apparitions. Our Lady of Fatima uh, comes to mind right away, but also Our Lady of Revelations saying basically the same exact thing. And uh, I'd love to get your commentary on this because we live in a day and an age where we want to give everybody a pass. We've almost become universalists where everybody is saved. There is nobody in hell anymore. Uh, Everybody gets a pass, and yet Our Lady is making it clear that is simply not the case. And shame on us for letting people uh, not uh, be exposed to the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of Catholic teaching. What say you, Theone Bell?
7: Yeah, you know, Our Lady just echoes what's already been said in the Gospels. And you can go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and find these warnings. I see them as merciful. They come across as scary and harsh, but I see them as very merciful warnings that if you don't behave a certain way, you know, these are going to be the consequences. Someone touched the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and he died on the spot. God told them not to do that, right? right. Yeah. So when, when Mary comes and says, you must pray, you must say your rosary, you must stop using the Lord's name in vain, um, we have to listen to that, uh, it's a mystery sometimes how these, you could say, punishments, um, or you could just say natural consequences, come to us. But I don't think that, I don't think that we're doing our lady justice. We're not doing the church or our children or Christ justice if we just say, oh, you know, that's how the church operated in the old days. Penance is such an old-fashioned word.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm trying to post some links here in our chat for Theony Bell, by the way. You also have an Etsy uh, page that has a lot of Our Lady of Good Help uh, items. Can you tell me about that real quick?
7: Yeah, I am not an artist. I'm terrible. I'm a writer. So what I did is I tried to collaborate with some other artists, brightest Catholic, uh, Catholic Paper Goods, a few others on there. Um, And so I've been able to make prints and stickers and pins and mugs and bags. And if anyone's uh, just finding out about this apparition and wants to spread the word and promote devotion to it, you can go to that Etsy page. Mm-hmm. Uh, my shop is called Visions of the Good Help.
3: And on your, your website, com, you've got some great ideas for families to mark this occasion.
7: Yeah, we, every year, we do Belgian waffles. Nice. Um, those I don't know if they were invented in Belgium, but they were introduced by a Belgian to America in uh, at the World Fair. So we do Belgian waffles, and we also did a bonfire where I retold kind of a dramatic story of the Peshtigo fire. Mm. Um, And that was a great time for my
2: kids last night.
3: All right. Praise be to God. Check it out at TheonieBell.com, where you can find more information as well as links to Theonie's books, including her book On Our Lady of Good Health. But check that out at TheonieBell.com, T H E O N I B. E-L-L dot Bell, Thank you for being on with us today. God love you.
7: Thanks, guys. God bless.
3: All right. Praise be to God. Join us in the after show on the live video links at grnonline.com forward slash C-D-T. We'll be back with a regular show tomorrow. Until then, God bless you.
9: Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, men'smarch.com. Join us and spread the word.
8: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is. And we are known as his children. We are. And the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters. They are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right. Their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us.
10: Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate
7: in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on
0: Commonwealth at 1130 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every
3: pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to GRN.
11: Hi, I'm Sarah, a parishioner at Annunciation. And you're listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network on AM 1430, KSHJ
6: Houston. Radio for your soul.
11: Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me our EWTN family prayer. Today we pray for Christians in Iraq. Lord Jesus, you told your disciples that they would suffer persecution just as you did. We pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in Iraq who are enduring persecution Send your holy angels to protect them from all harm. Console them in their afflictions and support them in their daily hardships and anxieties. Grant freedom to your church and give strength and joy to the Iraq martyrs in their sufferings. You who live and reign forever. Amen.
1: Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood.
8: This is the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network's airing of today's Mass. From the EWTN Radio Chapel in Birmingham, Alabama,
0: welcome.
11: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned Amen. O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after, and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
12: from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the freeborn woman. The son of the slave woman was born naturally. The son of the freeborn through a promise. Now this is an allegory. These women represent two covenants. One was from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. This is Hagar. But the Jerusalem above is freedom, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, you barren one who bore no children. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the deserted one than of her who was a husband. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are children not of the slave woman, but of the free-born woman. For freedom Christ set us free, so stand firm, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Verbum Domini. Blessed be, the name of the
2: Lord forever.
12: Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Praise, you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, both now and forever. Blessed. From the rising to the setting of the sun is the name of the Lord to be praised. High above all nations is the Lord. Above the heavens is his glory. The name of the Lord forever. Who is like the Lord our God, who looks upon the heavens and the earth below? He raises up the lowly from the dust. From the dunghill, he lifts up the poor.
11: Lexio sancti evangelii secundum Luca. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, "This generation is an evil generation; it seeks a sign." but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it. Because at the preaching of Jonah, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here.
13: Ferbum Domini. <speaking in Hebrew>
11: This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign. What's wrong with seeking a sign? Perhaps a better question is, what is the disposition of the heart of one seeking a sign? Why is one seeking a sign? Our Lord already had been working miracles and healing people. In fact, earlier in the same chapter from St. Luke, he had cast out a demon and the people had marveled. But immediately, due to the hardness of their hearts, some attributed that great work of the Lord to the devil, and they demanded another sign from heaven. They would never be satisfied because their hearts were hardened. While Christ did perform miracles and healings throughout his public ministry, we do hear at times that he refrained from doing so specifically because of the lack of faith of the people. They had no faith Our Lord refused to simply put on a show to satisfy his critics who are constantly challenging him. Our Lord knows our hearts. So why does he speak against seeking signs in today's passage? Well, rather than seeking signs, our Lord desires that we seek him. He is the one to all the signs point toward. The signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus had worked were clear to those whose hearts were open, open to truth, and open to God. And it confirmed their faith or led them to conversion. They just had that openness of heart. We hear of experiences in the gospel when someone desired to see the Lord with a heart open to God's grace, with a heart open to truth. Zacchaeus is a good example of this. In Luke chapter 19, he overcame obstacles to see the Lord Jesus his heart was open to the grace that God had been giving him, and it changed his life forever when the Lord encountered him and asked him, "Come down, I must stay at your house." So that openness of heart, openness to God's grace, can transform our lives. On the other hand, we have someone like Herod who also desired to see the Lord, but his was one, his motivation was idle curiosity. And he would see the Lord before the Lord was crucified. But his heart remained hardened. When our Lord encounters hardness of hearts in the crowd in today's gospel passage, he refers them to the prophet Jonah. Jonah preached repentance and conversion. And the Ninevites accepted that message and they did repent, they did convert, they did do penance. Our Lord's life and preaching are also a call to conversion but there are many who do not take his call, his message, his teaching to heart. But this is the call, very simply, to repent and to believe in the gospel, to turn to the Lord who sets us free, as St. Paul said in the first reading today. As our Lord speaks about signs in the gospels, it's also an opportunity to speak about our own fascination with signs. We know that the church has approved a number of private revelations, whether they be certain apparitions of Our Lady or other visions or locutions given to saints or others. They can be very helpful in helping us to live the Holy Gospel, to live our Catholic faith, to stir up this faith, this devotion, this zeal for holiness and to get to heavens, and living out the Holy Gospel and living out our Catholic faith. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says about private revelations that have been officially approved by the Church that it is not their role to improve or complete Christ's definitive revelation, but to help live more fully by it in a certain period of history. The Catechism further says that the Christian faith cannot accept revelations that claim to surpass or correct the revelation of which Christ is the fulfillment, as is the case in certain non-Christian religions and also in certain recent sects which base themselves on such revelations. So if a private revelation contradicts what Christ has taught, it is not authentic. Very simple, very clear. And I bring up private revelations Because it is possible for us to become so immersed in signs and wonders and the amazing things that God does that we miss the point of the signs. Again, it's to convert, to live the Holy Gospel, to become saints. That should be, these private revelations should be pointing us to holiness of life and to Christ. The main point, again, of private revelations that have been approved by the church, such as Our Lady of Fatima appearing to the three children, Or the devotion to the Sacred Heart is given to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. The main point is repentance, conversion, prayer, a deeper love for Christ. Again, these help us to live the gospel more fully. Authentic, private revelations from heaven have been given to encourage devotion. And again, a number of them have been officially approved by the Church but we also have to be clear that they are not a continuation of public revelation intended for the instruction of all mankind. That ended with the death of the last apostle. Rather, private revelations are a confirmation of divine truths already revealed. A good example of this is when Our Lady appeared to St. Bernadette. Right? And when she did finally reveal herself, as the Immaculate Conception. This was a confirmation of a divinely revealed truth that Pope Pius IX had already declared dogmatically four years earlier, the Immaculate Conception. So authentic private revelation confirms divinely revealed truths. So whether it be private revelations approved by the Church, which we are free to believe or not, or any signs and wonders that we might witness in our lives at times, we try to keep our focus on the main point. That is the point to which all these signs point us toward, to keep our eyes on Christ and on heaven and to live our faith to the full. And rather than hardness of heart that we see as a response by some in the gospel today to the Lord and his teaching, we pray for docility to the Lord and faithfulness to his unchanging teachings. As he taught, though the earth will pass away, his words will never pass away.
12: That our Holy Father may experience God's guidance as he strives to fulfill the duties of his calling, we pray to the Lord. The Lord, hear our prayers. That the merciful love of Jesus may draw more and more souls to adore and worship him in Eucharistic adoration, we pray to the Lord. The Lord, hear our prayer. May the beauty of the religious life be manifested in the lives of those consecrated to the Lord. So that many young people will be drawn to give themselves more fully to the service of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For those who have died in poverty and starvation, that they may enjoy the banquet prepared for them in the kingdom. We pray to the Lord.
11: Lord hear our prayer. In your love, Lord, answer our humble prayer. Give us the grace to see what we have to do and the strength to do it. We make our prayer through Christ our Lord. My brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord
2: set a sacrifice in your hands for the praise and glory of the Lord at his name, for our
11: good and of all his holy church. Accept, O oh Lord, the prayers of your faithful with the sacrificial offerings, that through these acts of devotedness, we may pass over to the glory of heaven through Christ our Lord.
2: Amen.
11: The Lord be with you.
2: And with your spirit.
13: Lift up your hearts.
2: We lift them up to the Lord
13: let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just.
11: It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord, In Him you have been pleased to renew all things, giving us all a share in His fullness. For though He was in the form of God, He emptied Himself, and by the blood of His cross brought peace to all creation. Therefore He has been exalted above all things, And to all who obey him Has become the source of eternal salvation And so with angels and archangels With thrones and dominions And with all the hosts and powers of heaven We sing the hymn
13: of your glory As without end we acclaim Santo,
11: and on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, for they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls and hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John, and Paul, Cosmas and Damien and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers in all things, we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray
13: Mysterium Fidei Lord.
11: O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ your Son, O Lord, we your servants and your holy people offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son, may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Yeah. Remember
6: also, Lord, your servants, the deceased that we pray for in this Mass. Who have gone before us with a sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, that all who sleep in Christ a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who those sinners hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share in fellowship with all the, with the holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all the saints. Admit us, we beseech you into their company,
11: not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them and bestow them upon us.
13: Per ipsum et cum ipsum et in ipsum estivideo patria omnipotenti in unitate spiritu sancti Omnus honor et gloria per omnia saecula saeculorum. Amen.
11: Precepti salutari bus moniti et divina institutione formati. Audemus dicere,
13: a mater noster qui in cedis, sancti picetur nonem tuum, a venera regnum tuum, fida volum tas tua, sicud in celo et in terra. Ale nostrum quotidiano nobis hodie et digniter omnis vita nostra sicud et nos timidi mus territoribus nostris et ne nos in duca sint SED nos AMANO
11: LIBERANOS QUESUMUS DOMINE AB OMNIBUS MALIS DA PROPITIUS PACEM IN DIEBUS NOSTRIS Udope OP E TUIA DIUTI ET A peccato SIMUS SEMPER LIBERI ET AB OMNI PERTURBATIONES securi EXPECTANTES PEATAM SPEM Er adventum salvatoris nostri Jesu Christi.
13: Est et, et gloria in secula.
11: Domine Jesu Christi, qui apostolis tuis, pachem vobis Pacem meam dovoabis. Neris PICIAS peccata nostra sed FIDEM ecclesiae tuae eam quae se tuam pacificare et coadunare digni qui vivis et regnas in secula seculorum.
13: Amen. Pax Domini sit semper vosbuscum. Et O
11: anistei ecce qui tollit peccato mundi, beati qui ad cenam sunt. Domine non sunt dignus, but in tres subtecta meum, settantum dic verbo, et senavitur animame. When the Lord appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is.
6: For those who cannot now receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, we offer the following prayer. O Jesus, I turn toward the holy tabernacle where you live hidden for love of me. I love you, O my God. I cannot now receive you in holy communion. Come nevertheless and visit me with your grace. Come spiritually into my heart. Purify it. Sanctify it. Render it like unto your own. Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Amen.
11: treat your majesty most humbly, O Lord, that as you feed us with the nourishment which comes from the most holy body and blood of your Son, so you may make us sharers of his divine nature who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Dominus Vobiscus
13: Benedictus
11: Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus pater et filius et spiritus sanctus
13: Amen Ite misericordiae Domine
6: Declared unto Mary, she
2: is
6: by the Holy Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
2: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and
6: the of God. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners
2: now
6: and at the hour of our death. And the Word was made flesh. And just us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Pray for us, Holy Mother of God, Let us pray. Pour forth, we will Lord, grace into our hearts, that we in the incarnation of Christ Jesus. Let us know that
2: the of angel, may our to in the resurrection. Through
1: Mother Angelica
6: answering the call. Yeah, we have another call. Hello?
10: Hello, Mother. Where are you from? I'm calling from Connecticut. Wonderful. It's, What's your question? It's a great pleasure talking to you. I've been trying your Thank line you. for the past two years. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> and I do have a two and a half year old who is nuts over your program. <laughs> Each time I turn the TV on, looking at your program, she's like, Mom, that's Mother Angelica, and she knows your name so plain. <laughs> Mother, I actually don't have a question, but I have its a question. It's also for prayer help. I am faced with a situation in my marriage. I have two young kids, one two-and-a-half-year-old, and the baby just 13 days old today. Mm. I'm faced with a very, very um, painful marriage. It's very abusive And And um, At this point in time It can go either way I have been I have turned my faith Solely to God I am a character converted And um, I, have says, I have said I have said my The divine chaplet I have said my rosary And sometimes I feel like My prayers is not heard I feel so despondent Sometimes mother And yeah. You know, for someone who is faced with these situation and, and young kids are involved, of course my family, my husband, my kids are the, my world. They're my life. They're my hope. They're my dreams. And um, it's nothing in this world that I wouldn't do that, that, to save my family. Yeah. But I, it, 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 a marriage takes two people the Lord has joined two people together. They have put two of us down here as man and wife to to hold a marriage, to raise a family. Unfortunately, in my case, that's not what it is. And, um, Mother, I am very, very moved to know that I have been so faithful to God. And I can just see my kids are going to be the one who are going to get hurt.
6: Right. Well, I know your situation because I was one of those children when I was young. Um, It's six years old. It's very difficult. Very difficult. If I were you, we're going to pray for you and pray for your husband that he comes uh, to his senses. I would, I would go to your priest and who knows you and knows your situation and ask him for help. Maybe he could talk to your husband. But most of all, I think we all tonight before we go to bed, we will pray specially for your husband that he begins to understand his role and his responsibility before God should he doesn't lose his soul. His soul is in danger. First of all, any man that abuses a woman is a bully and a coward. A bully and a coward. And that has to be changed. You cannot put your life in danger or your children's life in danger. That has to be changed. So we will pray. And you have a grave responsibility to protect your children also. So we're going to pray for you and ask our dear Lord to give you a solution, but most of all to convert your husband and see if our dear Lord won't answer our prayer. He is answering your prayer, perhaps not in the way you think. You will see later on how much he answered your prayer. Lord God, we just praise and bless you, Father, We ask, Lord, that you give this man the light and the knowledge tonight, Lord, to realize the danger he's in, his own soul is in, and also, Lord, how his wife and children need his love and his protection, not his abuse. So, Lord, the enemy has him in hand. The prince of this world has him in hand, Lord. And so deliver him this very night, Lord, from that abusive, abusive nature, that cowardly, bully, abusive nature that uh, takes away his dignity as a man. And we ask this through the intercession of Mary, our Holy Mother, in the name of Jesus, who is Lord of all. Amen.
0: For more about Mother Angelica, visit EWTNRC.com.
9: Hello friends, I'm Father Wade Menezes and welcome to this segment of the Crux of the Matter. As Christians, we know that sin is always a personal act. Even though it might be carried out with another, as in the case of adultery, or with several others, sin is always committed by one's personal choice. In fact, the time-honored teaching of the Church has always defined sin as an offense against God as well as an offense against truth and one's reason and right conscience. As such, the Church teaches that there are four categorical consequences to every sin – personal, social, ecclesial, and cosmic. In other words, each and every sin committed, whether venial or mortal, somehow affects the individual personally, say, by friction with self socially, that is, it affects his relationship with others, ecclesially, wherein the body of Christ itself is somehow disrupted, and cosmically. Just read chapter 3 of the book of Genesis to see how the very cosmos, that is, creation itself, was affected by the sin of our first parents. The good news, however, is that these four areas of disruption are healed through the sacrament of reconciliation, precisely because of Almighty God's divine intervention. The Catechism, number 1469, states, It must be recalled that this reconciliation with God leads, as it were, to other reconciliations, which repair the other breaches caused by sin. The forgiven penitent is reconciled with himself in his inmost being, where he regains his innermost truth. He is reconciled with his brethren, whom he has in some way offended and wounded. He is reconciled with the Church, And he is reconciled with all of creation, that is, with the very cosmos. As there is disruption between the sinner and these four areas, so is there healing between the penitent and these four areas. And this is the good news of reconciliation. And this has been the crux of the matter. I'm Father Wade Menezes. Thanks for joining us.
8: 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen
1: Our Lord worked many miracles. Here are some of the characteristics about them. First, he worked them as signs to convince men of the fact that he who came to work these miracles was the one that was promised. He never worked a miracle to amaze a multitude. He never worked a miracle to satisfy his hunger or his thirst. He never worked a miracle to obtain a living. He never received money for the things which he accomplished. He refused to convert the stones of the wilderness into bread to satisfy his own hunger or to cause water to gush out of a rock to slake his thirst. Instead, he asked a woman to let down her bucket to give him a drink.
8: The people you know and trust are on EWTN. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen.
1: Our Lord worked many miracles. Here are some of the characteristics about them. First, he worked them as signs to convince men of the fact that he who came to work these miracles was the one that was promised. He never worked a miracle to amaze a multitude. He never worked a miracle to satisfy his hunger or his thirst. He never worked a miracle to obtain a living. He never received money for the things which he accomplished. He refused to convert the stones of the wilderness into bread to satisfy his own hunger, or to cause water to gush out of a rock to slake his thirst. Instead, he asked a woman to let down her bucket to give him a drink.
8: The people you know and trust are on EWTN.
10: This is the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
7: From St. Teresa's in Sugarland. You're listening
6: to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network.